All right, so last week, um, quick review. So last week, um, we studied First uh, Peter 5, 1 through 5. And if you remember, we just discussed primarily what's the responsibility of elders. And we said shepherding the flock, um, what's involved in doing that. And we said elders are to care, protect, discipline, and provide guidance for the sheep. And we studied some ways elders or shepherds in the Bible didn't do a good job um, so that we know both what the shepherds in this church should do and what what they should not do. And then we did a little study on uh, Ezekiel 34, 17 and talked about the responsibility of church members in this process. And... uh, the responsibility, basically, I go back and read it again, was that um, shepherd, the shepherds have great responsibility, but the sheep do also, and that we're not supposed to, the stronger sheep, run around and trample all the food down or the, the field down to where the rest of the sheep can't eat, and we're not supposed to um, muddy the water so that all the rest of the sheep get muddy water. Well, if you apply that in our church, that means we're supposed to be uh, less self-centered and more humble toward each other. And uh, someone spoke to me and said, I didn't communicate this real well, so that's the reason I want to uh, make sure that you get what I intended to say. The intention is uh, we're called by God uh, to honor each other and to uh, to be humble toward one another. Um, and, you know, it's not just elders that are responsible it's all of us, sheep included, elders and sheep. And the elders' responsibility clearly is higher. Uh, elders are going to be held accountable for everything that they've done at a higher level. It's one of the reasons I wasn't so quick to want to be an elder. Okay. Um, so if I miscommunicated that, please accept my apology and know my intention is exactly that you understand the Word of God and apply it to your lives, not... Uh, misunderstand something that I said inappropriately. Um, And we talked about how the members mistreat each other. Uh, Gossip and backbiting is is one of the means. Um, Not supporting each other is another, I mean. And um, not developing good relationships with each other. Our church in general is a very friendly place to go and where you know you get loving fellowship with one another, and it's one of the huge draws to come to church at all for, for many people. Should be. Should be for all of us. Um, um, we concluded with a couple of things. Who's the primary leader of the church, or who's the primary shepherd? Of course, it's Christ. And then we closed with Uh, verse 5. And I really want to start us as we read verse 6 through 14 by reading verse 5 also. So let me read what we're going to study today and what the questions are all aimed at. Oh, and you'll notice that I gave you uh, tons of scripture, and I don't want to be the only one reading, so I'd love some volunteers, so you might want to get prepared to, to, uh, to read. And since we're recording all this and the microphone's in the ceiling, you need to speak a little louder than you'd like just to make sure you're heard. Okay. 
First uh, Peter 5, 5, 5 through 14. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's where we left off. And here we go with, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. So, first question, how should we, hum- how should we excuse me, why? Should we be humble toward one another? Well, you can look, I said in the sheet I gave you, um, verse 5 and 6 kind of answers that. We just read it. So why are we being humble? God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Right. We, we want to uh, avoid having God oppose us. And we want to receive his grace. And at the proper time, he will exalt us. Boy, I'm looking forward to the good side of that. I don't want to be on the bad side of that at all. Uh, Question two, why should we cast all of our anxieties on God? Because he cares for us. Yeah, because he cares for us. Somebody give me an idea of what you think anxieties are. What if, what if, what if? Give me some, tag a a couple of specifics on the what ifs. Yes, ma'am. What's going to happen to Steve and his surgery? Are the doctors going to do the right thing? Right. Medical procedures, uh, family emergencies, uh, death in the family, death of uh, your parents, death of your spouse death of your children. If those don't bring some anxiety on you, I'm kind of surprised. I will tell you, uh, last night at 8.34 was the fourth anniversary of my wife going to be with the Lord, and I remembered it in great detail. So I will tell you I'm very familiar with uh, some of the feelings, but by the grace of God, I was able to uh, be sustained and supported greatly by the faith that this church has has had a major part in helping me grow in. So hopefully this class is doing a lot of that for all of us. Um, I guess I could tell you that too. I literally prayed uh, at the very end of my wife's 
time here before she went to, to home to be with the Lord. Uh, Lord, don't let her suffer. I prefer you take her before she suffers, which made it much easier for me after she was gone. Uh, and it kind of bothered my oldest daughter that I didn't bust out in huge tears everywhere. And I was trying so hard to be strong for her. She'd lost her husband 11 months earlier. And um, it was much easier for me to go, Lord, thank you for taking her. And and now she's in a far better place than I could ever provide for her. And uh, I did not see her ever suffer. She suffered. She wasn't able to communicate toward the end. The disease she had attacked her liver, and her liver stopped working. And the poisons that the liver usually takes out of the blood build up. And she had a thing called a cephalotomy, which means your brain doesn't work right. So out of the blue, she'd be perfectly logical and then say or do something that was not online. And then the last day or so, she wasn't talking at all. And I told everyone, please don't assume she can't understand it. She probably can. But that, that was, like I said, four years ago. In some ways, that seems like... You know, a lot longer than it was, in other ways it doesn't. But, uh, but, you know, through the grief process, we still have the Lord with us. So let's uh, get back into this lesson and, and, and apply these things. Because God cares for us. We cast our anxieties on it. Um, you can see all the scriptures that I have down here. So um, can I get some volunteers? I don't want to be the only one reading. Go ahead. Okay. And please speak loud. I can do that. Okay. <laughs> Psalm 37 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. Okay, so that's one of the reasons we can share our anxieties. He's going to act on them. He's not just going to hear them and go, ah, okay, thanks for telling me. Um, someone want to stab at Psalm 55 22? I can do that. Please do. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Okay. So, you know, he's, he's not going to just hear it. He's going to sustain us. He's going to give us what we need, probably far better than we would even ask. He knows our, our needs, including sometimes when the needs are challenges for our own growth. Something we wouldn't say, please challenge me, Lord. Most people wouldn't anyway. Uh, my wife did once, by the way, and that's the first time she had a liver transplant. She was in a Christian's group out at church at uh, Fort Bragg, and the women were praying for challenges. So she did, and we went through uh, major health and a transplant, and I told her, I said, let's be really careful about what you pray for in the future. Um, you got your challenges, she grew in leaps and bounds through them, but boy, they were challenges of, of much higher magnitude than I would have ever wanted her to go through. I wanted to swap places with her so many times it wasn't even funny, but it's not an option, you know. I would love, I would love to have taken her disease and been the one to bear it instead of her. Um, okay, you wanted to read a while ago, are you ready? Because this is a really good uh, section of scripture right here, Matthew 6.25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? 
Wow, what are we saying? Expound on that so I don't have to, please. I've got really intelligent people in this room. I know it. You have answered so many things in the past. What is the Lord telling us? He was speaking to people that were that were generally jobless. What were they doing there on the, on the mountain? Why didn't they? Why weren't they working? They were jobless. They were a lot of them homeless because they're the Romans were sucking the life out of Palestine, and um, they lived with them, a lot of them at most one meal a day. What will we eat was a real concern for them. What will we wear? I, my kid just outgrew his clothes. I have no money to buy new clothes. Uh, you know, that was a real concern. It was a real thing that they may starve. Right. So anxiety, real strong potential for anxiety there. And what's the conclusion of that? Do not be anxious. Why? Yeah, because life is much more than food and clothing. Um, not only that, but our time on this existence we're in right now is this fraction compared to eternity. And when we leave here, all of us who are assured of salvation know we're going to a far, far better place. It's much easier for me to get through the challenges knowing that. Believe me, I mean... I don't know how to say anything nicer than that. I mean, there's so many times I go, okay, this is a tough time, and I have to buckle down and do whatever it takes to get through, and have to encourage others too. And, um, but I get to share that with the Lord. Um, there's a section in Scripture that I think I read last week. We won't be tried beyond what we're able to bear, but with the temptation, we'll be given the means of escape. Um, clearly, we may be tried right up to all we can bear before we're given the means of escape. And I've felt that once or twice in my life where it's like, how close can you get up there? I mean, when you're looking over the edge of the cliff and it's right there, it's kind of terrifying. You know? Like you said, no food, no, no clothing. Yes, sir? I think that you go to the end of that, uh, go down, you know, Matthew... Uh, Oh, let's see, what is it, 32? Yes, for the, in, in all things, we just talked about clothes and this and that, and everything, and drink, what we're going to wear, all those things. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day uh, is its own trouble. So when we read that scripture, it helps us to realize that, you know, God already knows what our needs are. He, he knows everything that we need. And he will, he will provide for us what he feels is necessary. And so, and we do, we do get anxious about all kinds of things. But this tells us, you know, worry about today because there's enough to worry about for tomorrow. You know, we, in, in any amount of worry that we throw on ourselves is not going to extend our days by a second. So... Those are all wise words that we, we need to consider when we're wringing our hands and all of these things that are going on. Well, I agree. That's outstanding. Um, the, do not be anxious. It sounds like nothing to it. I think it's the complete reverse. It's very challenging not to be anxious when things are very challenging or 
extremely out of shape where everything seems like you're, you're having the, the time of your life where everything seems wrong. It's like, how many more things can go wrong right now? I mean, I'm just trying to get to work and somebody had to run into me. I just, you know, that kind of stuff. You're like, you're kidding me, right? Yeah, I mean, nowhere in any of these passages does it say that our concerns are illegitimate. That's right. They are That's all right. very legitimate. And the thing is, God cares more about them than we do. Okay, did you talk Everybody hear what he just said? Because it was, you guys in the back, I want to make sure you got that. It's not that our concerns are illegitimate. They're very legitimate. They're very real. Go ahead and finish the rest of what you were saying. Yeah, so they are legitimate. They are real. God does care about them, and it says so in verse 7. Right. You know, casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. And the operative word, the operative verb in that sentence is he cares for you. (laughs) And uh, the command for us is humble. We humble ourselves, and that's because because he cares for you, and that's uh, and when we're talking about legitimate needs, surgeries, uh, illnesses, uh, relationship issues, church issues, it's all legitimate, and he cares about all of them. He cares about us. Um, you were going to speak. You still wanted to speak. Yeah. I just wanted to share, and, and everybody here probably knows it, but when I find myself in that situation, the best thing I can do is pray. And I I relieved of the burden, at least mentally, I'm relieved of the burden. Yeah, I'll tell you, last night when 834 came around, and believe me, I, that time's burning my brain, um, I was reviewing what I'm going to teach today just to make sure I was really ready for it. And very grateful to have my mind focused and concentrated on this class today instead of concentrated on the grief of her not being here. You know, this is uh, the love of my life. You know, I mean, we had 45 fabulous years of marriage, almost 46, and you know, I am very grateful for that. Is that um, what you're saying? You know, um, you're exactly right. The power of prayer, and the Bible tells us, you know. When we pray to God, we lay, we lay our burdens at His feet. The peace that transcends all understanding can come, come upon us, you know. And I know many times when I've been in some serious situations, you know, we, and God wants us to pray to Him. God wants us to have this relationship with Him. But we, as we said, humble ourselves and come before our holy God and bring our prayers and petitions to Him. And, you know, in that peace, it does, doesn't you leave the fact that, you know, those things are going on and everything, but you do, you can have peace. Um, God can give you that. That's a great thing to pray for others, by the way. When you see them going through these challenges and trials and tribulations that we're talking about, pray that they have a peace that comes from the Lord because that's the, the ultimate peace. There is, it's not going to get any better. And like I said, look long term. I mean, <clears throat> Scripture says we ought to take one day at a time. So some of these challenges we take, we need to stay focused on the near challenge is not how am I going to pay for my son's college in ten years, yeah. as much as you know we got to have food on the on the plate tonight. You know, it's a whole different issue, and we're we're broke, and we got to find some way. What, am, what can what can I sell, or what service can I provide to provide for my family? You know, above what I'm already doing.
Hey, Steve. Yes. Uh, I think reading that verse from Matthew chapter 6, it seems like there's a little bit of an inversion, too, that this is for the believer, right? Don't be anxious. Uh, but for the non-believer, is life more than what we'll wear and what we'll eat? Uh, yeah. It seems it seems like there's kind of the reverse is true for the non-believer um, that you know someone someone who might see themselves as maybe more sophisticated than believing in God. In one sense, their life is really just about some basic stuff, whether they're wealthy or poor. Even even the wealthy among us, uh, if you're a non-believer, is your your life your life kind of comes down to what you wear and what you. There's, there's not much more to it than that. And that, that's kind of a hopeless. You can still be really anxious even if you have, you know, a relatively high amount of wealth. Um, but if you have. Oh, yeah. If you have you're, Jesus. You're a teenager and you go to school and you think you're dressed best in the, in the whole school and somebody else outdresses you. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. Or if you're an adult, it's like. Even, even, I mean, I think a lot of workplaces function that way, too. Why does that immediately bring me to scripture where Lazarus goes to heaven and his previous master is in hell and asks, send Lazarus with his finger dipped in water so that my tongue can be quenched? Boy, I mean, you were warned that hell was a potential and you didn't want to believe it then. Exactly what you just described, by the way. He was so caught up in his own personal wealth and his prosperity and and uh, it didn't, if you read scripture in detail, he didn't seem like a person to share that with those in need at all. He certainly didn't share it with Lazarus who was basically picking up scraps under the table with a dog licking his wings. You know, so. Anyway, I don't know why it took me there, but it did. Um, let me read Psalm 40, 40 17. As for me, oh, this is David, by the way. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Question three. Why are we to be sober-minded and watchful? Yeah, I'm waiting for an answer, honest. <laughs> Well, I'll, because there's all manner of schisms and misconceptions and ideas, and as the scripture says, the God, the devil walks around like a roaring lion to devour. Devour. Uh, we have to be aware of that. There's a spiritual battle that goes on on a daily basis that we fight. And, and there's other parts of scripture that talk about weapons that we have, prayers being one of them to fight that battle. So we need to be aware of that, and being so reminded means that we need to know what the Word is, what the Scriptures are, what Christ said. Yeah, you're right on. You're actually leading right into where we're going. So <laughs> and be watchful. So yeah, the devil prowls around seeking someone to devour. I uh, personally am not anxious to be devoured by by Satan, for sure. Um, someone want to read First Peter one thirteen. There's plenty more of you in here, and there's lots to read. Oh. Thank you. 
Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the re revelation of Jesus Christ. Wow. So again, no matter what challenges, or hardships, or trials, or tribulations we're facing, we still have the blessing of looking forward in the long term and saying, ultimately, where are we going? I told you my wife went home. I'm positive she's cared for and loved far better than I ever could. And, you know, it's a huge blessing to me to know that and that I will see her again one day. People say, did you love your wife? I said, no, I love her still. You know, it didn't go away. You know what I mean? So it's, it's still there. Um, let me read Matthew 24, 42. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. What does that mean? Yes, ma'am. None of us know only God knows when Jesus Christ will return, and we need to be constantly ready for him, whatever that may be. Yeah, he's, he's going to return, and where are we all going? I'm rapture. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to be not paying any attention, and he comes to say, time, come follow me, let's go now, and I'm not paying attention at all. Ooh, that's, that's one way of putting it anyway. Um, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. This one hits home for me. One of my biggest uh, challenges is inappropriate anger, uh, sins. And I constantly struggle um, and, and so disappointed in my uh, lack of progress or the fact that I thought I'd overcome something and it still comes back and gets me again. So I, uh, I'm telling you up front, I sin daily and seek forgiveness daily. So Ephesians 4, 26, 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So how can we be anger, angry rather, and not sin? In other words, what kind of anger is acceptable or righteous? Righteous anger. Well, how do we determine what righteous anger is? Then? Let's try it the other way. Be angry about the things that God gets angry about. Right. That's how we know what right, what is righteous and what's not. It's what's godly. What does God say is good? What does God say is right? What does God say is true? His truth is absolute truth. It's not uh, like some of us. We think we're telling the truth, and sometimes we don't fully know it. And we don't tell the full truth. He always tells the full truth in great detail. We don't get misguided by him. What, what are you thinking back there? I see your brain rolling away. I was just thinking about, like, for me, sometimes, uh, I was going to say, like, for me, at least, uh, sometimes I'll get angry over something that's maybe more petty in nature. And uh, when I think about it from, you know, if I pray about it, See how I need to repent of my own portion of this and the portion that's kind of petty that I need to be overlooking and exhibiting more grace towards you know, whatever it is that I'm upset about and committing some of the outcomes that I may be frustrated about uh, to the Lord. Um, so there's, for me at least, um, you know, a call to uh, consider uh, 
what it is exactly that's making me agitated instead of, because you know, sometimes I can misdiagnose a set of righteous anger when it's really just me you know, needing I, to learn. I was late to receive the Lord and know I had salvation, as in I wasn't a teenager, I was actually married. And within a few days after I had received the Lord and stood before the church was baptized and professed my faith, I uh, rode a motorcycle one night and a guy ran me off the road and uh, the bike nosed under and the windshield came away and I went airborne. And immediately I cursed the driver and before I even hit the ground said, Lord, forgive me. My had been changed fast enough to recognize that was unrighteous sin. That was, you know, the guy made a mistake, uh, surely put me in in a bad way, broke my ribs and a few other things. The only broken bones I've ever had were from that night. But, but uh, the calling from the Lord was so strong on me that I didn't even hit the ground before I said, I'm sorry, I don't want to speak like this anymore. It's unrighteous, it's ungodly. Uh, this, this, go ahead. Sorry, right, just think about Ezekiel 33, too, talking about uh, if, basically, if anyone uh, hears the warning and doesn't heed it, his blood is on his own head. But if he, he, but if he does heed it, uh, then he is, he's been saved. And, uh, I mean, it's a New Testament theme, too. And then, uh, <laughs> the verse 7, So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. This is, I mean, this is a warning to the leaders of the church. Hey, speak the truth. Speak in love. And you know, let, let the people know. Yeah, what kind of shepherd is there that does not love his sheep enough to, uh, to round them up when they're lost? Uh, to provide the real food for them, in this case spiritual food is the critical one. Uh, the shepherds of, this, of our churches have a high calling and a high responsibility for sure. Um, I, I, well, we've got lots to cover and, um, and some good conversation to have. So uh, question four, how are we to resist the devil, especially when we are suffering during challenging times? Well, verse, go ahead. I think a big way is to look to Jesus and his suffering. He suffered, but he did not grow weary or faint hearted. And as Hebrews 13 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his spirit is inside us. So that's to remind us when we're suffering, well, our hope and our faith is in the one who never changes. Yes. And that's it. So So let me go read verse 9 and attach what you just said to this. Verse 9, resist him, firm in your faith, exactly what you're talking about, the faith in Christ and his accomplishments towards our salvation. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So, you know, let me do the dumb statements that we all say or several of us say. Oh, what have I done to deserve this? Why, why is, you name whatever the challenge or the problem is, why am I facing this? Um, do we think life is 
challengeless and we're not going to have trials and tribulations? So anyway, how do we resist that? I want someone who really likes to read to read Ephesians 6, 11, and then get ready to read 14 through 18. Maybe Rick, if you'll read us Ephesians 6, 11, please. Yeah, take your time. I can entertain us for at least 30 seconds. No tap dances, though. 6, 11? Yes, ma'am, sir. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wall of so we're going to stand against the schemes of the devil by putting on the whole armor. So you want to read 6, 14 through 18 so we know what the armor is? Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Wow, so how do we resist them? We put it on the armor. What is the armor? He just read it, but let's just the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying, prayer, praying in the spirit. So, you know, we're told to resist Satan. Now we're given, here's the tools to do it. So how do we expect to stand in battle if we don't prepare ourselves for it. Who goes to war without putting on their uniforms or putting on their tank or putting on grabbing the weapons that they're going to use for the battle they're getting ready to face? You guys are in the military. You've had fabulous training on all kinds of weapons of mass destruction, I guess, is what comes to my mind. But guns and... uh, you know, mortars and everything under the sun, you know. Uh, James 4, 7 through 10. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Wow. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. What? What are we talking about when we say, why is he saying to to mourn, be wretched, mourn and weep? What are we mourning and weeping about? Sin. Sin. Everyone in here struggles with it. There's no, if we're true, we all struggle with sin in our lives. One means of resisting the devil and his repentance. Absolutely. Dead on. One, one means of resisting the devil is repentance. Um, we don't have a heart for the Lord. 
how do we expect him to love and have a heart for us? He gave us a heart for him, and how are we using that heart? What's the last thing that I just read? Humble yourselves. We come right back to humility over and over and over again. None of this occurs well without humility. Somebody give me an idea of what you think the definition of humble is. I would go to the humbleness of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross willingly. He humbled himself before the human magistrates and the world, the Gentiles, and let himself be hung on a cross when he could have called himself down anytime he wanted to for others. That, that to me is the epitome of humbleness. That, that is the ultimate show of uh, humility and humbleness. Um, so you're dead on, but I'm really looking for if you had to define humble, what, what would you say? <coughs> if I look it up in the dictionary, what would what I find for humble? I'll tell you. I what. think one thing would be put other people first. Yes. Having or showing a modest or low esteem of one's own importance. What's our natural sinful state? The meism and the pat ourselves on the back. I think pride and anger are the big challenges for an awful lot of us, for me, for sure. Look at what I did. I didn't do anything apart from the Lord giving me the gifts, talents, and skills that I had, including teaching this class. And I've been praying humbly for the Lord use me, and you get the glory for whatever comes good in this class. So, so how, do we, how do we best... Resist Satan. How do we best glorify God? Where do we start with? Humility. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, toward the end of Job when uh, after this long discourse, you know, why does this all happen to me? Um, <coughs> God asks Job, were you there? <laughs> who, who are you? Um, although I think there's a, a little bit of a contrast with modesty. Um, a few years back, a pastor I knew did a series where he was talking about how Jesus is humble but not modest because he was calling himself the king. That's not a very modest thing to say. It's, it's still humble because it's true, but I think part of the humility is that knowing what your actual standing is um, to say that we have been forgiven all our sins because of the work of Christ is not a very modest thing to say. But but acknowledging that we are sin sinners and that we don't deserve it is a, a humble thing to say. Great place to start, right? I mean, it's acknowledging our sins and saying we don't deserve the grace and mercy of God at all, and it's His yeah. huge blessing upon us. Yeah, in contrast with the lavishness of the gift of salvation He's given us, that's not a modest gift at all. Um, very lavish gift. Oh, it's the ultimate gift of gifts. I mean, and look at the cost. I, I, probably all of y'all are just like me. Um, frequently, the Lord's Supper and other things, I'm sitting here going, this is what I cost the Lord to go through with my sins. You know, I mean, talk about feeling guilty.
another way we resist the devil is given in the previous uh, couple uh, verses before, verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So the, the devil loves to uh, redirect us, tries to pull our minds off of Christ. And uh, you mentioned prayer, or you mentioned word and prayer. So as we humbly pray to our Lord, we demonstrate our dependence, our humility, and in that light we are resisting the devil. This is exactly what Christ did. He appealed to the word of God, and he prayed to, uh, to his Father. Yeah, how, how would Satan attack us too? He tries to confuse us even with the word of God. So it's really important that we do truly study and know the word of God to be able to defeat those challenges and trials from Satan with truth, with God's truth. It's the fabulous reason that we do two things here. The study right here and the preaching from the pulpit. I mean, you're literally hearing the word of God from the pulpit. I'm trying very hard after the men's study we've been going through. Every time I see anyone preaching from the pulpit saying, wait a minute, this is the Lord right before sharing his word. Would I fall asleep if Christ himself was speaking? Would I doze off mentally somewhere else and start thinking about some challenge or problem that I have at home instead of listening to the, to the sermon and applying it and looking at several of the references, I, you know, I got to believe that our pastors would be thrilled if they saw us looking in our Bibles or on our phones. And by the way, the course that we said, phones are terrible, I don't agree. I think phones are fabulous and I can take notes on my phones just as good as I can write them in a book. And, uh, and I don't have any room in the sound booth to put an extra big Bible like this guy in the sound booth. So I... And this guy reads aloud to me, which is really great when it's Hebrews and Greek. <laughs> Especially some of the Old Testament Hebrews names. I'm sitting here going, wow. <clears throat> and eventually some of that burns in my brain. And when we read in front of everybody else, I actually know some of the names from having heard it so many times that I don't boot them up too bad. <clears throat> um, so what does Peter say will happen if we resist the devil? Verse 10, what's it say? After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, what? Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I want you to know, I am absolutely looking forward to the final restoration, confirmation, strength, and establishment that we get the time we go home to be with our Lord. I mean, there's so many people terrified of death. Um, in some ways, I'm not so terrified. I mean, I'm not going, please take me right now, but I'm not going to be overwhelmed if he says, yeah, it's time for you to go. I mean, it's terrible. I get to go see my wife and so many other people that I, I love and haven't seen in a long time. I love how he puts in perspective our earthly suffering. And we could be suffering for decades, but it is, at the same time, suffering for a little while. In, when it's in contrast to the eternal, eternal thing, right. you know, glory of Christ. 
but Paul says as well in 2 Corinthians, we have an eternal weight of glory that, that awaits us. So everything that we go through, however burdensome, uh, is light and momentary affliction. So, sum all this up, hopefully all of us have either learned or renewed or revisited the things that we need to do in humility and how appreciative we should be for what's been done for us and how in humility we should be looking around instead of staring at our own needs all the time at others and how we can help and provide for so many. There's nothing I like better than coming to this church and knowing that so many of people are loving, kind, and gracious to me in so many ways. Um, one of the ultimate to me was the, uh, my wife's funeral service and my wife's family, 65 people from her family showed up and this church fed all of them. And, um, and I didn't ask for any of that. They volunteered and, and was so gracious. And the loving kindness of so many people was, was there. Um, I can be honest and tell you, I couldn't tell you everybody that was there because I couldn't turn and look at the grief on everybody's face without it tearing me up. So I glimpsed and went, whoop, can't do that because I'm going to lose it. And, uh, and even the people that were uh, pulpit bearers came up grieving and I was with tears running down their face and I was like, ouch, that's, that's challenging. Um, I can tell you I can stand stronger on my own than I can watching someone I love suffer and cry, especially when I can't stand to see a woman crying because she's suffering or in pain. Just, you know, if it's something I can do. So, I, so what, what comments or anything do you all have to share in the next couple of minutes before we pray? Yes, sir. Because you brought it up about men's Bible study yesterday. I would leave this with everyone. Um, I think this is important. Uh, go today, sometime today or this week, go to the larger catechism, question 160. It talks about what your responsibility is to congregate and how you're supposed to approach God's word and hear the word when it's uh, preached from the pulpit. And so it's very important and it's very detailed, it has all the scriptures to go with it as the Westminster Confession has. But that larger catechism question, it, there's 13 points uh, that they talk through. And uh, it will tell you what your requirements are as a, as a congregant when it comes to handling the word, hearing the word, supporting the word, preparation. Uh, I'm just going to read a couple of these things. Diligence, preparation, prayer, examining what you hear, receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, readiness of mind, as the word of God, meditate, confer on it, hide it in your hearts, and bring forth the fruit in your own lives. And, and that's, you just go and take that, read that, look at the scriptures, and this will tie a lot of this, what Steve has brought out today, well, yet last week and today. Um, I think it'll make it more clear for you. Anyway, so I just throw that out. Additional reading. Yeah, I think it's fabulous. Um, part of the book we were studying through said, yeah, in preparation for Sunday, yeah. we should be reviewing the word, you can go online, crossstreetpca.org, and see the church bulletin days ahead of time, and you can see what the sermon's going to be based on. You can read that in advance and go, huh, 
there's some things I think I need to learn about that or some questions I have or what is the meat of this that I need to be focused on. And you can pray, pray that whoever's preaching the sermon gets God's guidance and blessing in their preparation in advance. You can come prepared. Yes, sir. I don't want to cut you off. Oh, go ahead. Well, next week, there's a standalone message in ABF called The Sermon. Oh, the nice. anatomy and analysis of the sermon. So we'll be talking about that, actually referring to 160 as well. So three weeks in a row. So we're warming up real good for it. Good. Um, but we can, and I guess one way to tie it to what we're talking about today, if we do those very same things, it will help us to resist the devil. If you can do these things in prayer and do all things we've already talked about um, and, and apply these same truths, it'll help us to resist the devil and help us to get through these hard times. Yeah, that phone that I told you that some people don't think is a good thing. Um, there are plans on that phone. Like I do a year's review. Uh, it goes through Proverbs and Psalms multiple times during the year, but does the Old and New Testament. Um, and it reads out loud. There are tons of times where that's extra good for me. Uh, it's easier for me to stay focused when there's some distraction. I put some earbuds in. I can be in a doctor's office and everybody talking to each other, and I don't have to hear all that. I can hear the Word of God, which is much more important than, than that. So I am definitely fond of Scripture, and I have an old Bible at the house, Geneva, a new Bible that is so ragged, you will know I read through it and marked it and did everything under the sun, and my fingerprints and hands are all over it. This, the pages are yellow. Um, but I'm a very uh, strong believer know that Reviewing scripture constantly is an outstanding thing to do. I strongly encourage you to do that. Let me close this in prayer so that we can prepare for the service. Father and our God, I thank you uh, greatly for your guidance, your love, and your care for each one of us and how you use this class for your own honor and glory. Uh, thank you for the participation from uh, everyone here, sharing uh, their love and concern and thoughts for each other and their desires to honor and glorify you. Father, we pray your blessing on each member here. We pray now for the service, Lord, that you would give us uh, special attention to hear and concentrate and focus on uh, the sermon and to worship you in truth 